All right. <laughs> okay, this is it. This is Psychotronicast. I'm Alec Berg. The talent is Derek Estes. And you can and you should subscribe to us on every social media platform. You should watch both of our short films, Four Corpses in Great Portland, or, and, whatever, Laced on YouTube, or on our website, psychotronicast.com. We also have an email that you can shout us out to, psychotronicast at gmail.com. And what the hell? I'm enough. <laughs> I've done enough spitting. Uh, so that was a lame intro. Derek, goddammit, what the hell are you getting us into? <laughs> uh, so we're wrapping up our, uh, our pride, our pride block. And, uh, this movie is, uh, uh, from 1996. It's the Wachowski's debut film, Bound, uh, that I really love. It is a really great kind of, a neo-noir lesbian thriller that is, like, in my opinion, the best thing that they've ever done. Um, I think this movie really holds up really great. It uh, And it, it gives us a chance to watch um, some lesbians that are not vampires. So Okay, so who's starring in this? Uh, so it's Jennifer Tilly and Gina Gershon. All right, stop right there. Jennifer Tilly, I've been obsessed with her boobs for my almost my entire life. <laughs> like... So much so that she knows how good her boobs are because in the last decade or so she's became a professional poker player. So when she does the World Series of Poker, sometimes it's late. I mean, this has been years since I've seen this. When I used to have cable, I would, you know, be home and maybe coked out or drunk as fuck or just trying to pass out. And on NBC at like 4 a.m. they would play late night poker or something like that. And she would be on there sometimes and she'd be wearing sunglasses and have like her tits out. Eighty five percent of her tits out. That's awesome. And that was her like mechanism to be like, I, I don't know, I got you. And I totally he, respect that. I respect it too. And she was like bigger, heavier than. Uh, also, fun fact about Jennifer Tilly: guess who gets paid for every single Simpsons episode? Jennifer Tilly, because she used to be married to Matt Gregorine, the creator of The ah, Simpsons. So I didn't know she that. is so fucking rich it's crazy she gets simpsons checks on the regular it's fucking wild but what else is wild are those boobs those boobs are so crazy i've yeah i mean all those chucky movies they just like teased them so much they just never came out it's kind of a bummer but uh and then gina gershon uh yes 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 she did this like crazy one woman show when i was a, a kid in the 90s where she came out in a flesh-colored suit, I want to say, that was covered in period blood. And she did, like, <laughs> this, like, stand-up one-woman show. Maybe it's, like, a Showtime thing. Maybe it was an HBO thing. I, like, vividly remember this. But you can see, like, her nipples. Like, she, it was, like, a translucent suit, but it was also supposed to be gross. But I was, like, at that right age where I'm, like, whatever. That's it's awesome. a naked body. I love one-woman shows. Like, uh, uh, Sandra Bernhardt's Without You, I'm Nothing. It's <gasps> amazing. Oh no! That might be the one I'm thinking of. Oh no, it's totally. Oh, it's totally different. Okay, so Gina had that. Okay, good, good, good. good. I believe Gina. So I remember Sandra. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I hope I'm not confusing the two. But also, I love Gina from Showgirls. Oh my God! Yeah, Crystal. (sighs) Yeah, Gina was like a powerhouse in the '90s too. She was so good in Face Off. Uh, Uh, (laughs) She really like is. I mean, she's. I don't think I've ever seen Gina Gershon in anything where I felt that she. Um, 
didn't know exactly how to play the part that she was put into. You know, I feel that like she's always in control of whatever. Like, I've never seen her give uh, a performance that you feel like is just weak. Yeah. It's just, she just has been underutilized. She's so strong, like, her, you could, t- just with her, like, million dollar smile, she's just powerful. Like, she's got power behind She has a those. wicked smile, though. Yeah, There's no, it like, looks it's like. kind of like. She's not a nice girl. Yeah, oh yeah, it's great. Jennifer Tilly, though. Yeah. Well, I can't wait. I think I, I have a feeling you're going to enjoy this movie. Okay, before we jump into that, um, so you think this is the Wachowski um, sisters, now you say? I think that, well, now they're, they just, say they, 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 they're just, yeah, the Wachowskis. I don't think they're like. Oh, Wachowskis. Uh, they're, I don't think they're sisters or brothers. They were the brothers. Uh, now they're both uh, women. So I, th- yeah. I, I think they're just like, they, they've dropped. The sibling element of their yeah. their name, um, but also it does. It's interesting, I guess, knowing that now and going back to like why were these guys their first film be um, a movie about lesbians? I mean, not that they're lesbians, but I, I do think there's kind of a queer element that maybe both of them, who you know, who knows where they were in their own uh, journey and discovering or uh, accepting who they were. I don't know. That's a whole other conversation that I, I don't know if either of us are prepared to talk about. But, Absolutely not. Not at 12.22 um, at night after we got out of yeah, a hot tub. But I do hours. think that it is an interesting element of this movie. Um, and I do think th- this movie, I think I, I put this with Michael Mann's Thief. Ooh, what? Uh, I love that movie. In, yeah, movies by directors who've gone on to become, you know, maybe more successful with their other okay. things where their first movie is the one that completely steals my heart and it's like the one like this is the movie if they never made anything else I would be like oh Terrence Malick amazing. they made this <laughs> Badlands yeah, yeah Ter- Terrence Malick in his first couple movies and then like yeah Michael Mann with Thief um, I think his later stuff I think is fine but I mean Thief is for me like it's so good it's it is like insane I don't care for jumping off it. topic but just how he just goes Oh, you want to fuck with my life? Well, fuck my life. I'm going to burn everything up. And my whole life is gone. Now you have nothing to it's take from me. And then you just... It's profoundly amazing. It's, so it's like you it's are... So good. It's like breathtaking. And it, uh, it sucks that it wasn't available on a streaming platform. I think when my dad came to visit the last time or the time before or something like that. It was a while back. And then now it's available on Amazon Prime. But he doesn't have Amazon Prime. And I'm like, shit, you need to see this movie. Give uh, him your... Password. He doesn't know how to do any of that. No. I've tried. I've tried giving him like no, all the old people. I know. Old people. It's the whole deal. But that's weird that you don't like. And we're gonna stop and we're gonna talk oh, yeah, about no, the real ahead. movie. But the um, I really, really, really love the original Matrix. And did you ever see it? I know I did. I saw it like when it came out, like when it first came out on DVD, and I just did not respond to the Matrix at all. Like that's it was crazy. a total like flat fish of just garbage for me. I just I That's just so wild. I I totally didn't like it at all. And, and to be fair, I I never saw their version of Speed Racer. I never saw their version of Cloud Atlas. And I read the book, but um so I mean they've they've done stuff that I have not continued to follow because I I didn't like the first Matrix and then all the following Matrix everyone else realized that they were garbage. So I'm like, oh, okay, well maybe I was You know the only one I watched parts of their Netflix series that was canceled, then brought back, and then canceled, then brought back again. Uh, my wife 
wanted to see it. I can't even think of the name of it. Anybody who's listening now goes, this is it. So you know it. But it, I couldn't, nope, couldn't do it. And yeah. that was the last thing I, I saw some, of some theirs. Some people just, you know, have like, I think this, everything, for whatever reason, everything falls into place and it really works. I mean, I, I, I you know, they could just be me. I, I'm hoping that you enjoy this as well. But I think that uh, this movie... Uh, if you just saw it, like I, I feel like when you see Blood Simple and you're like, holy shit. Oh, yeah. Like it's kind of that level of just like it's really stylish. Everything like twists in really great ways. It's a really great neo noir. Uh, they have even talking about this movie and making it, they were really influenced by Billy Wilder and especially um, like Double Indemnity. And it has that very James M. Cain sort of. Uh, you know, double indemnity, uh, the postman always rings twice kind of feel to it. Um, but they were able to update that uh, style of story and that style of uh, kind of erotic thriller um, in a way that I think doesn't feel like it owes so much to the earlier films. But I think it it's really able to capture that, uh, that spirit and that level of... Uh, being just really great and exciting and dynamic the way that those really great film noirs do. Uh, yeah, I think this movie, yeah, it, it, it gets it done. And I think it, this is also very sexy and very stylish. And I, I really just love this movie a lot. So I, once we watch it, I think, uh, we can obviously talk more about it. All right, good. And with the power of editing, we will start talking about it after I'm finished watching it right now. Well, after watching the film, I immediately had to be hosed down by the fire department. <laughs> and then we picked up where we left off. I just watched Bound, and I don't know why I waited 22 years for this. I'll it's tell you great, one thing. Right? It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, it's I like I thought it was going to be, uh, you know, by the first 20 minutes, like I was like, ooh, it's hot and heavy. It's going to be like a Skinamax porno mm -hmm. that has like, Oh, but it has like the the style of Les Samurai. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was just like, all right. But then oh, yeah, the once the amazing. story started to unfold, I was like, wait a second, is this a good movie? Oh yeah. And by the time it was over, I was like, this is a fucking great movie. And how? Why isn't this on lists? This never gets talked about. It's yeah. I mean, it, it, it has like a, a, a cult following, but it's definitely not like to the level that it should be. Because it should definitely even be like a mainstream hit. Um, well, we'll talk about the numbers in a moment, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, um, so I guess, like, I, I mean, should we just start going through talking about the movie itself? I mean, I get, yeah, I, I only wrote down at the beginning, like, 15 minutes, it's just the look of this film. Yeah, it's definitely just from movies, yeah. The wallpaper, the elevator, the, 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 the decor, the style, like, the cashmere sweater, the, like, skin-tight dresses, everything is like dialed and you were you noticed before me uh that or i probably maybe wouldn't have noticed is like they eliminated the color blue from the film except for in christopher maloney's eyes and uh gina gershon's eyes and, and the uh the police lights and the police lights yeah yeah yeah. yeah. those are like the only moments but everything else really is saturated uh towards well mostly black and white and grays uh and then splashes of like um, you know burgundy and then like bright green, uh, 
And it's interesting because, I mean, obviously, I, I, they had a really good designer on this film. Oh, yeah. Um, or they had the eye. But I think that the use of color that way really adds a level of production value to your film that, you know, as Chris, I remember John Borman talking about that in, um, I guess, his commentary to uh, Point Blank. And he talks about how they, they painted certain sets. And he's like, people kind of forget about that sometimes. Um, I mean, I know production design has to probably. Ooh. Would argue with that, but I, he, you know, was saying how like you, you know, just a slap of paint can add so much production value. Well, it's just film. like a house. It's just like a slap a coat of paint on anything, a car, whatever. Mm-hmm. It just looks like a million bucks, like once it's first done. Exactly. Um, I mean, I, I, I think of those like Miko Kaji movies in Japan. Mm-hmm. Like they slap some color onto a no budget film, and it just looks so fantastic, especially yeah. in Female Prisoner Scorpion Seven Hundred One or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. Like the. Just uh, just her backstory of like why she is the way she is, and they just the have spinning the, sets, yeah, the, the crazy lights coming behind her, yeah, that stuff. I mean, it, it adds so much. I mean, it's also the stuff that I love about like Mario Bava, mm-hmm. um, and people who can just use these like elements of style to tell your story, and also to make up for the fact that you might be working with a smaller budget, but then you're kind of doing stuff that's more creative and interesting. And they really do that in this movie, I think. So, it's the Wachowski, right? I always get their last name wrong. I think I always say Wachowski. Wachowski, Wachowski. Okay, uh, Wachowski sounds better. Uh, I, it sounds more correct. But, like, Wachowski, that's... What's great about them is it's like Mario Bava with their camera technique. Because mm-hmm. they've always been good at that. Oh, uh, yeah. And in the, the, the big shootout scene... In the middle of the film, with uh, Christopher Maloney getting got and the rest of the like crime family, uh, it's like an introduction to the Matrix. Like it just the way that it shot is just like a pure action scene. But yeah. it's just like, what can we do when we don't have money, but we want to just show like this like shootout happen, and it's like we can only film it in this room. Like they're confined to like. They have handicaps, and then they just make it work. Like it's like, well, let's shoot like a gigantic fucking action film. Yeah, and it looks so cool. And yeah. they, I mean, the same. It reminds me of the bullet, the the goddamn like bullet parade in the Matrix, where once Neo and the lady are done, trio of Trinity are done shooting up the the boys, like the pieces of concrete are falling from the structure as they're going into the elevator. Mm-hmm. Like it has that kind of same. I mean, it slows down and makes the camera move. Like ninety degrees in slow motion, uh, yeah, it's it's wild. They're yeah, they were, man, such they're a good, good job with this movie. Such a good job. This movie is so. I mean, honestly, I didn't know where you're gonna take us in the last episode. I thought we were gonna watch something like Can't Stop the Music. Oh like, yeah, the Village People, where it's like, oh, just like another, like just let's blow it out with some fun gay movie. But I had no idea I was gonna walk into some like. Not even a cult classic. I don't know. People don't talk about this. It's yeah. weird. It's a they. It, there needs to be a second life. Arrow put this out, right? Yeah, they they uh, in the UK. The uh, yeah, the UK version of this movie is from Arrow, which I wish that they could do the uh, the US as well. It's great. Um, yeah, this movie. One of the things that I love about it is the fact that it is like a neo noir, and it plays off all of these like. Elements and you could have totally cast Gina Gershon's character Corky with a male actor, mm-hmm. and you could have just tweaked a couple lines of dialogue and it would have worked. But I think that this is a really good example of doing that, like you know, like that old habit of you know remaking something but just doing like a gender twist or a racial twist. But I think that just adding that um, lesbian element to this movie, like. 
it doesn't feel exploitative or cra- but it really seems to add this whole other depth to it that like if it was played by Luke Perry or somebody the, oh my god yeah you know what I mean no, like, that's, yeah good yeah. Um, cool so yeah and I both these women are fucking amazing oh. I love them both so much Jennifer I mean I would <laughs> Jennifer Tilly Jennifer Tilly J Till now when I was just praying to see your boobs in this movie. <laughs> and I don't know. I know some people that listen are like, this guy's an animal. Whatever. No. Everyone Every- wants to see Jennifer It's Tillis like, Tillis. come on. Come on. Let's be real. I know everyone's woke as fuck. I keep bringing that up in every podcast, but I, I'm awake too. I seen it. I seen it. And then by the time they get to the sex scene, it's like they give you just like a little slip at the end. And you're just like, Right on, like worth it. And then for the rest of the film, she's wearing these like skin tight dresses, and it's oh, yeah. like she's so seductive, and her voice that like raspy. I mean, it's like not real. Like it's yeah. not even. She's not a real person. She is like a cartoon character. No, it's true. She has that kind of. She in this movie really, really reminds me of Gloria Graham, especially in her film noir movies. Uh, kind of like her character in uh, The Big Heat. Where she's just like kind of almost like a little baby doll, but also yeah. like a little like, you know, street smart. She, I love that, and I love how Gina Gershon conversely plays her character. He crossed between John Garfield and James Dean. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just so cool. I just love seeing that whole dynamic with both of them together, and I think you know that's also where uh, the level of the style of this movie. And the focus on glamour and this being beautiful, and with this like torrid sexual energy also going through it, that really just it kind of gives it this mm-hmm. like really awesome, I don't know, exciting Hollywood patina. Yeah, and Jennifer Tilly was thirty eight when nuts. this was made. She's thirty eight, and then Gina Gershon was thirty six, and it's yeah. like, whew, I don't know. <laughs> it's, yeah. Wild, wild, it's and crazy. then I, 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 you know, it's funny because I mean, it plays like a skin and max flick. I remember, like, I would feel when I was younger, and you would like watch a skin and max movie. It was like somebody's parents had cable, or they were doing those free previews that oh, they yeah. would do. And you're just like, I'm gonna watch all the nudity I can in the middle of the night, <laughs> and then like you just stay up and you're like, mm-hmm, and you're just like taking mental notes because <laughs> you can't record it. <laughs> I don't know. It was like. That heat. It was like what I thought I was going to get from William Hurt's Body Heat. Uh But instead I just got like a good movie. And like, oh, there's there's a, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Ted Danson with black hair. Uh, He looks like Clark Kent. That's weird. But uh, with this movie, it's just like hot. It's like hot action. and But also on top of like a great story and like great action. Yeah. I don't know. No, I think they really do a good job because once, like, you know, it does initially start with these kind of, like, noirish elements of the uh, romance, the illicit romance between the two women and the fact that Corky's kind of an outsider. And there's, like, a lot of really good, solid, overheated dialogue. Like, the whole point uh, when she's like, I bet you have a car that's more than 20 years old. Yeah. She's like, truck. <laughs> and that lesbian bar she goes to oh, the watering hole which mm-hmm. is the dopest lesbian bar name yeah i've ever heard um no i love all of that so much but then as the movie progresses and you you get through their element you uh 
Oh, so I guess we haven't even really talked about him at all. At all. But, I've just been um, like, Bleh. No. So um, Jennifer Tilly's character, Violet, she's dating a gangster in the mob um, named Caesar, which is funny because this is also now becoming uh, a pattern with our podcast. Yep. Is This is in the past like month. Uh, like the the third gangster named Caesar that we've talked about. It's a psychotronic cast, uh, like dope silk robes. Yeah, like dope silk robes. It's just a theme. It's a theme yeah. we cover now. Mm-hmm. It's a whole side podcast. Or <laughs> side shit. But um, so he is, um, you know, he's involved in the mob, and there's all this whole situation of this guy in their gang who's trying to steal like two million dollars, but then. Uh, Caesar gets it back, and they're trying to pass it off to the major boss. Um, but Violet and Corky kind of devise this plan. Corky's an ex-con, and she, had, you know, she was involved in like theft and robbery uh, before all this. She served five years. There's another little theme in this movie about five years, where uh, Gina Gershon served five years for um, what? What has she describe it? Uh, redistribution of wealth. Yeah. Um, but five years is also the amount of time that Jennifer Tilly's character, Violet, has been uh, with Caesar. And you realize that she's a lesbian, but then she's just, just considering this work, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you, you uh, have this little parallel of both of their different prisons that they're in. Oh, that's that's deep. Yeah. I was thinking of five years, David Bowie. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, that's great, too. <laughs> and then also the music, I mean, at least it plays at the, the first 20% of the film. It, it feels like I'm right back in Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. It has that like very like 50s jazzy, and then like the decor is like very art deco, so it's of the time period. Yeah, it like, really feels like... I. I think that they had to be influenced by David Lynch because it's just too perfect. The element of that, like, you know, throwback 1950s glamour. And also, like, that, I mean, the music cues and some of those scenes are, like, straight out of, like, Angela Badalamenti's, like, Audrey uh-huh. theme. Or, you know, like, this kind of a little, like, jazz trio sort of um, thing that's really, really great. Um, but the, the score is also kind of all over the place. Like there are certain points where it almost turns into like Danny Elfman, and then it like turns into more of a traditional like. It does, it, especially when it gets more suspenseful near the end of the film. Like, it sounds like they blew half of their budget in the in the studio. Yeah, just like recording the the score to this film. It's great. I mean, it's it, really really good. Yeah, I mean they spared. I'm. Sh- I mean, you can tell they were balling on a budget. But man, do they stretch a dollar so much? And also, I don't know what they really made this film for, but I did some research, and as far as money being made, they made almost four million dollars in the theater with this film. So that's got to be pretty good for nineteen ninety six. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, I, I, it obviously wasn't going to make a you know a boatload of money, yeah, but, but at least it sounds yeah, like it made its money yeah. back. And then um, it was shown in the average, at least on opening weekend, in two hundred and sixty one theaters. And to compare that to a big summer blockbuster like Independence Day in the same year, they uh, debuted in 2.8 thousand theaters. Yeah. So this was definitely definitely a, a, a little small indie film that could. And I think it did just enough. Also, you get to see um, a very young, very animated Christopher Maloney. 
which I was very pumped when I saw him <laughs> because I truly love him from Wet Hot American Summer, and he plays the cook. And if uh, for anybody else that watches network television or just is super hungover and can't find wasn't the... wasn't he also in Oz? Uh, yeah, and he was also in uh, Law and Order SVU. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you'll be hungover or just like trying to come down off of cocaine. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> ah, spitballing here. It's but like the party it's, in it's Blue 16 Collar. hours. Yeah, it's just kind of like well, it's either this or Archer. So I'm just going SVU. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, Christopher Maloney is great. The only problem is, is like even though it's neo noir, like I think um, Christopher Maloney goes a little bit too far back in the genre. Because he's really, he doesn't belong in this movie and some of the things that he, he does. he plays it broad. I mean, I guess it, I mean, it's, it kind of works to me because I think Jennifer Tilly is really exaggerated in those ways too. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, you, you, like, I mean, this isn't just like this movie. It's in every, her entire persona. This is just her. That's why like, you know, Woody Allen put her in like. Uh, Bullets over Broadway. Bullets over Broadway. Yeah. It's just like, oh yeah, you just seem like you're a throwback broad. Yeah. You know? Um, and so I think that in some ways that works. Our two favorite things, throwbacks and broads. I'm going to get arrested by the time we air this podcast. I'm just coming at this with love. I just want everybody to know that. <laughs> it's not nothing. You're fine. Okay. It's like, oh God, we're never going to be. All right. Um, <laughs> oh man. I'm looking at the next part of my notes. And all I wrote was, titties like that will always use you. <laughs> and this is when I was thinking that Jennifer Tilly was going to fuck Gina Gershon over. Because I mean, the movie really leads you to think that for a I long time. I thought it was. And I was just like, oh, okay, we're just going to play this beat. So you think she's going to play like the classic femme fatale? Yeah. You know? And, you know, like honestly, if they weren't lesbians, you probably would have had that happen. Yeah. Um, so you have... That thing where you just kind of know that Jennifer Tilly is really manipulative and she's, you know, kind of playing corky. Uh, but the more you, you, you know, see as the movie goes on that they really both um, complement each other in the way that they have, like the way their skills work. And, you know, just uh, how their relationship, you know, builds each other out. Yeah. And, uh, I mean... Um, shit. Who shot uh, Le Samurai? Um, I mean, it's it directed the by uh, uh, Jean-Pierre Melville. That has to be. They had to have seen this movie. Oh yeah. It, it's like like there. There's a scene in the movie where she opens the closet and it just has his wardrobe, Jennifer Tilly to uh, him, and then it, it's I don't know. It just like reminds me of that movie so much. Like the apartment, the way both apartments set up. Uh, the dude from Lay Samurai's is a little more bare bones and he's got a canary. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, like it's just like the same color scheme. It's just those grays and blacks and uh, reds. Uh, it's out of control. The yeah, green. it's really good. I mean, the, 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 they do use red a lot. And I think it is a really effective color in this movie when you've desaturated so much because, um, you know, you have the, obviously the blood, um, but you also have like a lot of the sensuality the sensuality of Violet's character and it's the same color for lipstick and like some of her dresses and some of the walls and it just has this uh, kind of rich sensual element to it that I think uh, just really 
you know, uh, complements the fact that the rest of it's all very steely gray and very cold. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that that dynamic is just really cool, really exciting. And Joe Pantoliano uh, shacked up to this film. I was reading in IMDb's trivia that uh, Jennifer Tilly uh, suggested him for the part. And he landed it. And that's so good because at first when he delivers his first lines of the film, I mean, that like Chicago accent and everything, you're just kind of like, ugh, like this mm -hmm. is so, like, burf. <laughs> but as it goes on, like, especially when shit starts to not go his way and he's stressing out and everything, he is so fucking dynamite mm -hmm. that by the end of the movie, you're like, give this guy a goddamn Oscar. What the <laughs> hell's the holdup here? So I did a little research. I mean, because his performance is absolutely amazing. And at first, I looked up um, Best Actor for the 1996 Oscars. Can you remember who won Best Actor in 1996? Uh, that, I think that was the year the English Patient won. So I'm trying to think of what... I don't remember. It was Nicolas Cage for Leaving Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. But then I was thinking... Okay, wait a second. This isn't a lead role. I guess he would get supporting. Do you remember who won supporting actor in 1996? Ugh, I have no idea. I know, it's a little harder, but it's a little more memorable of a performance. Uh, Kevin Spacey in The Usual Suspects. Oh, yeah, yeah, So he actually did run into a good year with uh, these, <laughs> these actors. I mean, <laughs> have they aged well? Yeah. Maybe not. But uh, what with... What do you think about... I mean, I, I'm a, but, 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 uh, but I'm thinking, uh, I'm trying to think of what studios put them both out, because I feel that 96 was, you know, prime Harvey Weinstein. Period, oh, Miramax, like Miramax, Miramax, without a doubt, was Usual Suspects. I know yeah, that. That, that, um... Oh, wait, no, thinking, I'm lying, that was Fox, because that was Brian Singer, and he's, like, married to Fox. Eh. Maybe that was before he went but to I Fox. Feel, no, I feel that movie was independent. Okay, that maybe was the one that brought him to Fox. I don't know, I'm not going to pull my phone up. I know, right? We're not doing this right now. We're not researching. You can research yourself. Yeah, you're like, please um, talk about but something it, else. It, I do think that that was, like, this movie wasn't getting the attention that uh, no. that those movies were. No, no, no. They probably Which didn't. they shouldn't have. I, I, you know, I feel this movie was, uh, I feel, feelings and the facts. But I, uh, <laughs> I believe this movie was actually... Um, well, well received. like yeah, I think that like um, I think the other thing too with movies like this, and according to Rotten Tomatoes, oh. it has a ninety-two percent rating. Right on. Um, Metacritic gets it sixty-one out of a hundred. Blah blah. blah. Um, Roger Ebert said their skillful filmmaking showed virtuosity and confidence. I, I mean, that's what they got them signed on to do. The Matrix. Yeah, it's yeah, it looks beautiful. I can't recommend this movie enough. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I think you like good crime movies, too, with kind of like twisty plots and, you know, double crossings. I mean, this movie has a really dynamic, like when it switches into more of the uh, the crime, it's not like a heist. No. Um, but it's a... Uh, it's a con job? Yeah, con job. Yeah, I mean, basically it is. It's just, um, but if you enjoy those movies that have... Like a grifter's? You like those, just like these twists on twists, because it uh, it really starts turning the screws after a while, and it uh, it's just a really dynamite, you know, 
like '90s crime film. Um, and there are a, a few good ones from the mm-hmm. '90s. The '90s actually had some. I mean, I mean, that was the the other indie explosion as opposed to like the late '60s. But uh, with with this flick, we were talking earlier about just movies that weren't respected when they came out, and it took years and years for them to finally get the respect they deserve. You were mentioning that the movie Mother is probably going to be a movie we go back to oh, in like totally 15, so. 20 years and be like, how the fuck did not this not sweep the Oscars? That or like movie, do whatever for me, it was. was like pure joy. Like I so was so enthusiastic watching that movie. Um, yeah, should... there, there, there are movies that, like, I think, you know, there are movies that you can see and be really excited about, and you can almost kind of predict that they're not going to last as well, mm-hmm. you know, as much as you might feel emotionally involved with them for, like, you know, uh, like a moment. But I think there are those movies that you can see, and you're like, there's something here, and it's like, the people that want this thing haven't found it yet. Um... And I sometimes I see movies like that that have stuff going on, but it's like it's the right audience has to kind of filter and find this thing. It's it's because they can't market it to that audience. They have to market it to a broader audience, and then those people don't know what they're going into, and they don't like it. And I think that happens to stuff like, well, I mean, this movie, like Mother. Um, we just don't really know what to make of it. And now I think it's interesting because I think this movie. In the 90s, I think even, like, the lesbian element would be a little bit more um, transgressive. And I think that that wouldn't be the case now. Um, Now it's almost like a really good crime film that incidentally has a lesbian element to it. Yeah. Um, But I also can't really think of a movie like this happening. And and all recently where I feel like they really are either, if they're lesbians, it's like a lesbian film. It's like when you see movies now, and they're like, "There's gay people." There's it's usually some sort of coming out story, or you know, like still. I mean, those are, that's what they were even in the '90s. You know, it's like, you know, the character dies, they're coming out, they're they have AIDS. <laughs> <You know>? like, <laughs> it's like these are the these are the storylines that gay people have. Here, here are the stepping um, stones. You know, and I think this movie is it feels really modern in ways that you're like this. You know, this movie isn't telling us anything about lesbianism or about what the experience of being a lesbian is, but it just happens to have two lesbians in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the way it makes this story spin. I don't know. It's it's, it's really great for all of those. Yeah. Things. It, it, I just think of, like, just uh, uh, a scene that pops out to me it was near the end it was kind of to show its age and also mm-hmm. uh what have you when Gina Gershon and Jennifer Tilly get away at the end and then it's like all right let's get out of here and then Gina just boop, boop, clicks her alarm and then you pan over and she instead of driving a 20 year old single cab long bed rusty truck she's now driving a brand new 1996 chevy 1500 <laughs> fire engine red oh, and that's yeah. the exact truck that my uncle had oh really yeah he bought that truck that era that everything and he had it until the day he died and it looked cherry as fuck but uh his wife sold it uh, after he died but it, it was just funny because i've been in that truck a million times and that's it's just so like 
You know what $2 million would buy you? Chevy, 1500 I mean, it's good to keep it, like, super low profile. Uh, but also, that's just, like, a damn good-looking truck, and it's... I don't, it's not desirable because Chevys really suck after time, like... But it's a good-looking truck, and I... I just like that that's what they drive off into in the sunset. Oh, yeah. That has a more manly ending than any man stealing any woman away. <laughs> At the end of a film, like if, you know, Dustin Hoffman didn't get into a 1500. He got into the back of a fucking bus. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Even Steve McQueen at the end of the getaway, he bought a shitty truck. Yeah, <laughs> he's going to Mexico, just some like little Model T Ford or like whatever the fuck it was. It's like Gina's just like I'll show you how it's done. I know. And also her leather jacket was just more like beefy. A lot of good leather jackets. There's a lot of good leather jackets in this film. It's hard to pull off a leather jacket, man, woman, or child. I don't know. I love them. I've spent like half my adult life wearing some sort of leather jacket. That's what that's what's up. Uh, another thing I want to like uh, take out of this is when all this chaos is ensuing, um, as Joe Pantaleone is just like murdering everybody he works for. Yeah, uh, the cops get called, and you're thinking like, "Oh shit!" Like the plot's gonna be like, "Oh no!" Like it's all gonna turn into this. And they even like squash the beef before the door gets knocked, and it's just like they're just cops. Saw him as long as he can. Like they even like just blow it over. Like oh yeah, this this old uh, dog and pony show. Fuck. We'll get like, these are ants. Yeah, and that, just that put the poison out. That's exactly what happens. They show up, and you know they don't even grill him or anything. Like they fall right into his hands, and he just shoes him away, and it ain't no thing. Well, it's really great too the way that this plot works. The fact that everyone's really good at bullshitting, like. Jennifer Tilly, like, you know, she shows that when she's, like, pulling off her end of the plot that, you know, she can act it really well and she can be convincing. Uh, the the funny twist is the fact that she's so convincing that it starts to look like she's guilty of another crime. Yeah. You know, so you have, like, these, like, these twists where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm on to you, but uh -huh. you're not. But it's like you totally laid like laid out this you know this path that makes me think that you know whatever you're fucking me over in this other different different way but also he's really good at bullshitting and then like when he's bullshitting like you know uh you know whatever like gino and johnny you know and they show up and that whole dynamic where it's like you know what's going on with both characters you see how caesar sees things one way you know, and he thinks this thing's going on. Johnny has no idea what's going on. Mm -hmm. But and you have a totally different perspective of either of them because you can understand the whole picture. Yes. And just that tension in how all of those things work is so cool and really makes that whole midsection of this movie so engaging because you're constantly on this level of tension where you're like, you know, you know... You already you, know the score, too. You know the score, but you're like, how is this falling apart? Like, where is the slip? And then the only other person who really understands is Violet. Yes. And she's watching it. And then she knows that she has to still, like, watch her own back. So not only does she have to fucking have the, the tension that you have, trying to see, like, uh, what's how is this going to you know pa pan out, she has to be a step ahead. So she has to think of what the next move is going to be in this chess game of, like, deception. And all of those 
like gainy elements of this movie just it just ratchets up the tension it just makes it so much more thrilling and when it comes back to her because they're talking about opening the the chest and whatever and Christopher Maloney at first is like what are you talking about what the fuck are you talking about and Joe Pantaleone is just looking at Viola like just tell him and then Tilly goes to Maloney she only has one sentence to say without giving herself away to either party. Yeah. And it's, just do what he tells you. Yeah. And it's like, that's such a smart way to play that line because if she goes, I don't know, if she goes any other way, it's either going to lean towards, Whoa. I know there's nothing in there and you know it, or I know there's nothing in there and you know it. And it, it's 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 a pretty clever game that she's playing. And oh, it's yeah. awesome dialogue to write, too. Because it's like, how can we not give Tilly away to uh, uh, Joe Pantaleone or Christopher Maloney. Yeah. <laughs> All these names. <laughs> but All these Italians. It, until it has to happen. And um, even, I mean, another way for you to feel stupid, or the, at least how I felt stupid, is when they showed Gina tied up in those ropes and Joe Pantaleone take him out uh, of the kitchen. It was like this foreshadowing. But even before that, you saw... Her tied the, first, up. the first shot of the film is actually her in the closet. Yeah. All tied up. And so you're just thinking that Tilly somehow fucks her over and leaves her for dead or like whatever the fuck it is. And like, yeah, you see that eventually it's going to go bad for Gina, but you don't know how. Or you think you know how, but it definitely doesn't play out that way. And I just love when movies outsmart you. Mm-hmm. Or when you think that's... Hey, I love that feeling. It's like when you go into something, you're like, I know what's about to happen. Yeah. And then it doesn't, and it goes, no, fuck you. And then you're <laughs> like, oh, shit, that was worth admission. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just paid to tell you I'm stupid, or <laughs> for you to tell me I'm stupid. But I've never been more happy feeling so dumb. Yeah. No, it's I, think great. That, I think that's all really great, because it plays in that all those expectations are going to go into this movie. Like, just... You know, and even you know, thinking about film noir and you know the history of femme fatales, like kind of like destroying these men, and obviously that would be like Corky's character, but uh, the way it totally just like goes in this totally different direction. I also really love the element of this movie um, with the sets where there's this continuing, you know, uh, just element of the walls being really thin so you can hear everything. Yeah. So, you know, earlier in the movie you see, like, Corky can hear Violet fucking Caesar, you know? And Mm -hmm. it's just, like, this whole back and forth they talk about it. But then there's that really great scene later on when the, uh, when Caesar picks up the phone and he hits redial. Yes. Um, because Violet had just called... Um, Reminds me of Blood Simple. Exactly, yeah. It's like that little thin wall, and just like, and he doesn't quite get it until he can hear the ringing on the other side of the wall. Um, And they kind of cheat that scene in this movie because earlier, the first scene when uh, Violet calls, you don't hear the ring on the other side. You know, that that, that scene just doesn't, they don't want to give that, like, that element away. But when you, like, hear him, like, hearing the ringing, then hearing the ringing through the wall, um, it's just a great way to like build that. He's like, who's over there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. And the way that uh, Joe Pantaleone dies at the end of the film, it's like, especially with the slow motion, him falling in the paint, all this stuff, it just reminds me of like a John Woo death. 
Yeah, like when John Woo would kill the bad, or like when the final uses that white paint, just the white. paint. I just think of the white doves. I think of John Woo. Like I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's just. You even have a whole shot with the yeah, like the gun spinning through the white paint, yes. splattering. It's yeah. like, and then you know, and he's standing in the middle of it. Oh yeah, and she's just like the the final confrontation. It's. it's <clears throat> I mean, I I could see it. Like it doesn't take a genius, obviously, to know that when you watch their debut film you go oh shit if we added another zero to this check we're gonna write them to make a movie it's gonna work yeah they're they're like ready for the next step and the, you know 12 steps higher than that and i know you hate the matrix but i absolutely love it <laughs> and it came out in the right time i was the right age yeah. beep bop boop i don't even like the music i i remember buying the fucking soundtrack because awesome. i don't know why and it just had like Marilyn Manson and weird techno music. I didn't like any of that stuff, but I liked the movie so much I just wanted to hear it. Yeah. So I would like listen to it, not really like it, but still be like, all right. I never bought into the whole like we're gonna wear like black trench coats you, and like you weren't trench coat mafia. I wasn't trench coat mafia. Like the Oakleys. I wasn't trench coat mafia material. <laughs> I just wasn't, and I st- I didn't want to take karate lessons or like no kung fu. I didn't want to do good, any cause... of that. I didn't do any of that, but I still found solace in just, like, watching it. It kind of was like, you know, watching, like, 80s, 90s action that I grew up on, but it was just, like, turned it on its head with all of its camera technique and its style, because all those films didn't have it. Yeah. (laughs) It just didn't have it at all. And even though I loved Kung Fu and all that stuff, and I I would watch some Shaw Brothers uh, growing up and... I love Jackie Chan. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. This was just like a different deal. And with the sci-fi twist element of like, you know, the internet. And <laughs> yeah. just not knowing. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was out of control. It was super innovative. And that's why I enjoyed it. But by the time the second and third ones came out, the, yeah, the dust had settled. And they just didn't know what they were talking about anymore. And they lost the thread. Just like with... Shows like Lost and what have you. Yeah, it always it happens. It happens more. It's hard when you like you bust out the gate with something that that everyone loves and they all feel invested in, and then you need to continue this. It's yeah, not worked for many people. But someone that's lived longer than any of those is uh, Keanu Reeves. Can't wait for the next. Yeah, Uh, keeps going. Yeah, Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted. Yeah, yeah, it's actually happening. That's great. Uh, I can't wait. I don't know. We're off on a tangent, or at least I am. Sorry, we got way oh high, but that was it. That was know, the, the pride block. The first annual, though, so yeah. there will be more. There will be blood. There will be all of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised it ended like this. I did not know it would end with, first of all, lesbians, and then yeah. second of all, a great neo-noir film. Yeah. But, yeah. I just, yeah. <sighs> Talk about throwing curveballs. You always throw those curveballs. I, I, I don't know what even. Uh, I don't even. I kind. I mean, I, you kind of told me it was coming next, but um, I don't know the specifics. And it just keeps getting better and better here at Psychotronicast. It just really does. <laughs> I don't know. You're like this episode sucks. The people listening at home. Like, you guys got way too high and never talked about the film. Really? <laughs> You're just saying whatever. You should just watch the movie and form your fun. Yeah, exactly. Eat as many weeds as we did, drink as many beers as we did, and then holla at your boys. But until next time, let's just keep it purely casual. Woo.